SHSS podcast. Let's talk learning. Today we welcome d- journalist Dan McCarthy to SHSS podcast. Thanks so much for coming. Thanks very much, Lucy. Could you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm from just down the road in Skibbereen, where I grew up with one of five siblings. And then I went to UCC, where I studied English and geography. Then after that, I went to live in London, where I worked in libraries for a while. And then I went to teach English in Spain. And then I worked in London again. And then I worked in Holland for a while. And then I moved back to Ireland. So it was lots of jobs. And I worked for a while for Lyric FM doing archives. And I suppose all that experience then fed into my path towards journalism, where I started with the Irish Examiner in 2000. What's your best memory of your school days? Best memory of my school days? <laughs> best memory of... That is a tough one, Lucy. <laughs> it's a tough one. Okay, can we go to the next question? I'll think about that. Come back to it. When did you realise that you wanted to be a journalist? I think I always wanted to write from an early age and I wasn't really sure how to, how to go about it. So I had published some poems in my early 20s. So that, that's, that's not, you're not going to get a career out of that, you know, <laughs> unless you're Thomas Kinsella or someone. So I, I just eventually sort of found my way to journalism. I'd written a few articles freelance for, for several newspapers. So I, I, I thought that that was something I could do, you know, and then the opportunity came up and I took it. Your Islands of Ireland series is very interesting. Which island stood out to you the most? Which one do I like the most? Yeah. <laughs> I think, I, well, I adore Sherkin just down the road, which is, I used to spend a lot of time there as, as a teenager and I really adore that island. Another one I love is Ackle Beg, a little island just off the main Ackle in Mayo. Beg, little obviously. There is just something so tranquil and peaceful and there's no ferry there so you have to figure out how to get there. I asked the guy in the pier, he said go knock on a door and there was a builder working there who said he'd take me out the next day. So sometimes you just have to figure these things out and that's how I got there and I just loved it. You're looking across to Clare Island and there's a lighthouse on the cliffs and it's just absolutely beautiful place, you know. Could you tell us something about cycling monster great road routes? Cycling is a big passion of mine, so I've been cycling since I was one. No, I'm only joking. <laughs> I was, um, I don't know, seven or eight. So I, I, I cycled a bit around Skibbereen and when I moved to Cork, then I cycled a bit around Cork and then gradually moved out a bit to places like Fermoy or um, Croom and then a publisher who I knew through Hillwalking said to me one day, God, there could be a book in that. And I said, no, no, I don't think so. That's, that's not me, you know. And, and then I said, well, why not? Maybe it is me. And then I realized I put some roots together and uh, I had about 20 roots and went to him with the idea and he, he accepted straight away. And so I, I published it then six years ago and it has, uh, I offered him 100 bike routes at the start and he said, hey, easy tiger, just, we'll just do 50. So that's, that's what it was in the end. 
but it's a fantastic way of discovering the countryside and our own history, nature, geography. It's such an eye-opener to, to find places. You published an article on the IRA attack on the RIC barracks in Ross Can you tell us about that? In a funny way, Lucy, that ties in with the cycling book because a lot of uh, the townlands that I came across in the research for that, I knew from cycling as well, so that it had a deep impact on me, a deep connection that I was able to relate places to events that happened. So my father had an uncle, uh, he was called Ger Mack. He was a medical student in UCC in 1919-1920. The war broke out, a war of independence, 1919, and he joined the fight for Irish independence. Meanwhile, my mother's aunt was married to an RIC constable, and he was based in Baltimore. So he was, he was there in, say, 1910, 1915, 1918, and... When the Lusitania sank in 1915, there was a lot of personal effects of people and bodies washed up in West Cork. So his name was Ambrose O'Shea. He was the constable in um, Baltimore. And it was his job to go to court and tell what happened, what he found, and to make sure that the possessions were returned to families in a lot of them in America. And we, we learned from the family history that he was a piano player. So, like, without a doubt, a lot of the RIC, Royal Irish Constabulary, were very vicious uh, people. But we understood from our family history that Ambrose being a piano player was a gentle character. The war just got proved too much for his nerves. So he, he requested a transfer back to Dublin. The top brass in Dublin didn't want to bring him back, but they eventually agreed and they said, you have to stay in Ross Carberry Barracks on the way back. That very night, my father's uncle attacked the barracks and Ambrose was killed in the attack, along with another constable and three people in the village. And the attack was very significant because it, it showed the British government that the Irish meant business and it really undermined their attempts to control West Cork. And it was a great uh, momentum to the Irish cause for independence. But you can see that not everyone has a nationalistic history. There's also Irish people who, who don't have those aspirations, but they're still Irish. And this is a perfect example of a family in conflict or sorry, not in conflict, but who took different sides. But years later, Ambrose, the RSE man who died, his wife was asked about the two families coming together, my, uh, my parents, and she was of the view, let bygones be bygones. You know, it's time to move on and get over the past and not let, us, let it drag us back to repeat the mistakes of the past. Sorry for that long-winded... No, that's very interesting, actually. <laughs> a bit of a lighter question, I suppose, <laughs> after that. Do you have a favourite snack or drink for when you're writing articles or books? <laughs> have I a favourite snack? <laughs> I don't. You'll have to get one, so... <laughs> Who sent me that question? <laughs> um, what are you reading right now? 
moment. I'm reading a book of short stories by William Trevor. He grew up in Mitchellstown and he lived there for a while. And he was also based in Skibbereen, actually. And his father was in the bank, so he moved around a lot. But he's, he's a brilliant writer with crystal clear prose. And I think he could he can make uh, a story about any two people that meet. It could be the first person you meet when you leave the school and the person in a cafe you go into. He could pick those two people and make a story about their lives. And he's, he's a really brilliant writer. And what do the words writer's block mean to you? Problem. You know, problem, because sometimes I'm writing that island article, for, for example, and you just have not got a clue how to progress it. And you know you have a deadline coming up, you have to get the deadline. There's strategies you can adopt to, to get things moving. And one thing I do is write anything that comes into my head related to the topic. I know it'll be wrong, but I would go back and delete that afterwards but what I write following on from that I can get a little hook and get the thing moving get a bit of momentum and then go back later and edit it do you have a favorite writer my favorite writer is uh, Vladimir Nabokov the Russian American I think he's to me just exceptionally good at describing he said that Metaphor is the only way we have of understanding something. So something is as brave as a lion or as adventurous as, uh, as, as something else. <laughs> but metaphor is, it really creates an image in our head straight away of what the person is trying to tell us. So for example, he had a, he had, um, a description of rain. And he said, in, in the story, he said, uh, it began to rain, somebody must have tilted the sky. And I just thought that was so beautiful. It was like, you could just imagine a big tray up in the sky, filled with water, and then someone came along and just went, and all the rain <laughs> fell down. I just think it's sublime. I, I, I love that kind of writing. And similar to the last one, I suppose, but do you have a hero? I don't really, I have, uh, you know, I was walking with a friend of mine in Cork yesterday in Minan Bridge and it, it just came up that uh, about the Ukrainian refugees and they'd landed in Cork airport without a translator and there were people were there willing to help them, but there was no translator. He, he's not part of any charity organization, but he was able to make a few phone calls to other people he knew and arrange for a translator to be brought up to the airport straight away, even though he wasn't involved in the whole thing. So people like that who work behind the scenes for the benefit of others, they're my heroes. Do you have any advice you'd give your teenage self? Give up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I would say just persevere and believe in yourself. What was the, the best memory from school, is it? Yeah. I think the best memory from school was maybe when I got out of the classroom on a nature trail at Loch Ine. So something outside the four walls really was, was what I wanted. And, and still be learning, but learning from outside. 
Thank you. Thanks so much for talking to us today. Thanks, girls. Thank Thanks very much for having me.